Thank you for indulging us. That was so much fun. And uh, Michael, thanks so much. You, you still have to get Sarah's pick, too, and she'll be back singing that at communion. So, beautiful song. Scripture reading for today selected from Titus chapter 3. I believe we have it on the slide. There it is. In the past, we were foolish. We did not obey. We were wrong and we were slaves to the many things our bodies wanted. We lived doing evil, being jealous. People hated us and we hated each other. But then, the kindness and love of God our Savior was made known. He saved us because of His mercy, not because of any good things we did. He saved us through the washing that made us new people. He saved us by making us new through the Holy Spirit. We were made right with God by His grace. This is a true statement. Stay away from those who make foolish arguments, who talk about uselessness, who make trouble and fight about what the law of Moses teaches. These things are useless and will not help anyone. Give a warning to all those who cause arguments. If they continue to cause trouble, then don't associate with them. You know that people like that are evil and sinful. Their sins prove they are wrong. The Word of God for the people of God. Well, it happened on Christmas Day, and it took more than 20 years to come to fruition, but yes, it did happen. All my boys were together. The gifts were opened. Breakfast was eaten. One of the three says, you know, we should go to the courts and play basketball. And another of the three added, what about you, old man? Are you up to it? Well, just let me get my shoes on you, whippersnappers, I said. And I haven't picked up a basketball in a couple years, but you're on. Down to the courts we went. We began with a game of 21. It's elementary, it's simple, every man for himself. Verse 1 to 21 wins. I haven't always won that particular game, but I always make it competitive. And I want you to know that I was true to form. I did not win, but I was right on the heels of the one who did. And for the first time ever, ever, the baby boy, Braden, beat us all. First time. And, and for the record, I crushed the older brothers as well. <laughs> and I was feeling great about things. Then we broke it down to two on two. I was Braden's teammate the first game. We lost. I was Blaze's teammate the second game. We lost. I was Bryce's teammate the third game. We lost. I was the weakest link in the chain, the lowest denominator. It used to be Braden because he was so young. It used to be Blaze because he was so short. It used to be Bryce because he was so fat. And now it was me because I was so old. I begged for one more game. You can't go home losing every time. And so I said to Braden, come on, man, one more game, me and you against your brothers. All right. We win. 
So I high-five him at the end like I'm going to the final four, and I said, great game. I knew we could do it. And he said, I quote, yeah, you didn't help a lot. And the older brothers say, no, you didn't. So we returned home, and I gathered all their presents and returned them the next day. No, I didn't return all their presents. Why? Because I would rather be humiliated on the court than go stand in line at Walmart or the mall on the day after Christmas. Can I get an amen? It's the worst. I don't enjoy shopping as it is, but to go re-shopping and fight that crowd of angry and disappointed gift receivers. No, thank you. So my children beat me down on our Lord's birthday. They sent me to lie down on the bed on Christmas afternoon, just shy of having a heart attack. They reveled that I was old and washed up. They talked to me as if I was already on a stretcher. And still, I let them keep their gifts. But only because that was better than standing in the return line. That, and I was so sore I could barely walk. But seriously, have you ever received a gift that you didn't like? You didn't want it? You have to return it? It's a bit of a hassle. The crowds haggling over the receipt, being treated like you stole something from the store. And then there are those gifts that you really can't return because you don't know where they came from. You don't have a receipt. And it, or it's something like wild game sausage balls or an Elvis Presley table coaster set. What do you do then? Well, you usually try to get to Goodwill before the end of the year so that you can get your 2019 donation receipt. Or you re-gift it to someone else and pass the problem along. Or shamefully, you stick it in the bottom of the trash can for the garbage man to pick up and take it to the landfill. And you aren't kidding me. You're kidding yourself if you don't admit that you have done that at some point in your life. Right? <laughs> I'm not the only one that's done that, surely, right? <laughs> Haven't you done that? Oh, you liars, liars, liars. What about those gifts you should never open in the first place? There's a story about a young, impulsive warrior who made it his ambition to beat the legendary master in his village. And he made it public, and a large crowd gathered outside the master's home to witness this contest. And the young man arrives with his cheering, jeering entourage, sort of like my son's. The old master steps outside with only a staff in his hand. And immediately this young warrior begins to assault the old man, whirling and striking. But every blow, every kick, every punch was deflected by the master. And the youngster never laid a hand on him. But the old man never fought back. He just defended himself. And when the young man got frustrated, he resorted to nastiness. He started throwing rocks and spitting and shrieking insults and cursing. And finally, he just gave up and left. The master's students hurried to him and they asked, Why did you allow him to insult you this way? Why didn't you retaliate? And the master said in return, If someone offers you a gift, but you refuse to accept it, then to whom does that gift belong? And one of the students answered, the one who tried to offer it. And the master said, exactly. It is the same for anger and troublemakers. If you refuse to accept what they offer, they must be carried away by the one who tried to burden you with them in the first place. 
Some people like to push your buttons. Some people live to provoke a response out of you. They know how to needle you. A favorite phrase of my grandmother's, they know how to get your goat. Anybody know that one? Now, I've learned that that phrase comes from the, from the equine world. Way back in the day, before there were so many drugs and veterinarians taking care of million-dollar horses, if you had a high-strung horse, racehorse, and he was in the barn and he couldn't stay calm, they would put a goat in his stall with him to keep him company. And it would calm him down, and he'd be able to run a better race. But if you had money on another horse, you'd send somebody to get his goat so that he would be agitated the night before the race and wouldn't run as well as he could have. Some people know how to sneak up and get your goat. And the result is this agitation, this, this poison that they are able to dish out. If Zen stories and grandmotherly phrases aren't enough, how did Paul put it in the text? Stay away from those who make foolish arguments, who talk about uselessness, who make trouble and fight. If they continue to cause trouble, then don't associate with them. You know that people like that are evil and sinful. Their sins prove they are wrong. Some people themselves are unwanted gifts. And try as you might, they drive you insane. With their foolishness, their constant stirring of the pot. What do you do with people like that? Stay away from them. Keep your distance. Don't get lured into their arguments, their nitpicking, their negativity, and the trouble they are happy to produce. Set some healthy boundaries with some people. Well, Ronnie, that just doesn't sound very Christian. Well, sure it does. Because the only way that I can act like a Christian sometimes is to stay away from certain people. Because they have a way of getting my Jesus mojo and running off with it. <clears throat> well, that just doesn't sound like the loving thing to do. Sure it does. Because some people are best loved with a little distance. And you take them in little doses. Well, I don't think that's what Jesus would do. Well, Jesus was forever advancing and retreating, leaving one place to go to another, withdrawing from the crowds. Even the Son of God had to have some peace and quiet. Even the Christ knew when it was time to take a break. I've been really aggravated with people that get my goat, but I've never turned to one and said, get thee behind me, Satan, like Jesus did. Setting boundaries, refusing to engage with troublemakers, this has nothing to do with being mean or hard-hearted. It has everything to do with staying sane and remaining on the right and the healthy path. The force of Paul's argument in Titus is this. We were all troublemakers. We're all capable of that. We've all been foolish and dumb. We've all been driven by hate. But it is the grace of God, the goodness from Jesus Christ that changes us, that remakes us, that converts and transforms us. Those who have likewise received grace but continue to live and act as if they haven't remain stuck in their ornery, ungracious, hateful ways. 
And these people, if we can use a 21st century analogy, are like internet trolls. They show up in the comments section just to wreak havoc. They live to upset you. Your response isn't to argue or fight or to get a jab in. It is to block them, to refuse to engage with them, to not go down that rabbit hole because they cannot pick a fight with someone who only offers gracious silence in return. And obviously from the text, we're not dealing with a person who is having a bad week, a bad day, or a bad run. This isn't someone who's a simple challenge. This isn't someone who simply hasn't grown up yet. There is a word that sums it up best. Toxic. These are toxic people that Paul is talking about here. Fun fact. The Greek word for arrow is toxic. Now think about that for a second. Ancient warriors would poison those darts, poison those arrows... And then they would stand way far away from a distance and shoot them at their enemies. What a great example of what toxic people do. They get far enough away that you really can't do anything to stop them and they pilfer you with all of these arrows and fill you with poisonous holes. And long after you pull the dart out, the poison remains. Toxic. Shooting arrows. This isn't psychological help today. This is spiritual discipline. It's for your own well-being. So a suggested New Year's resolution. Protect yourself. If you work with a toxic person, limit your exposure as much as possible. If you have such a person in your extended family, keep it to holidays and such. That's enough. Those people that inflict their drama on you, who exhaust you, who manipulate you, who make you feel falsely that you are responsible for their problems. Those who keep you in a holding pattern of trying to fix or rescue them. There is one word. No. And no is a complete sentence. No. You can't protect yourself from every toxic person out there. Some toxic people are the ones we love or are trying to love. But there are some, a great many, who may need to be sent on their way with the best care and compassion that you can give them. But they can't remain intimate into your life because their poison is just too much. Final story. A man is boating down a river. It's a foggy morning. And through the mist, he sees another boat coming down the stream, straight at him. Faster and faster it is coming, and it is not deviating its course. So the man stands up in his own boat and begins to yell, wave his arms. The boat's not stopping. He begins to curse and shake his fist. The boat's not stopping. Finally, the boat strikes him. He is furious. He leaps up to give the other boater a piece of his mind and sees that the boat that has struck him is empty. There it is. The people who cause us the most pain are usually empty. 
They have no control over their own lives. As Jesus would say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And we can scream and blame and curse and complain, or we can simply get out of harm's way and let the rudderless boats glide along as we do all the good we can for all those we can for as long as we can.